So before we get started in the topic, which you might have seen, might not have, um, I always like to give the Lord opportunity to heal during the course of the sermon. And uh, Psalm 107.20 talks about this, that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And so just through the preaching of the word, there's healing in the word, right? The word is alive and active and powerful. And um, so I want us to pray together. Here's something real quick. It, it just, just repeat this after me to say, you sent your word and healed me and delivered me from destruction. Let's say it again. You sent your word and healed me and delivered me from destruction. So just take a moment to ask the Lord to heal you. You know, if there's a physical ailment that you have or um, maybe it's on behalf of a family member or if there's something spiritual going on, a battle or um, could be emotionally, mentally, and just ask the Lord to begin to touch you in that area. So Father, in Jesus' name, just the requests that are going up right now, just ask you to honor those. And as your word is preached, not that it's not about the messenger, it's about the word the word of God, and I just pray that you would bring healing to your people. And so I just want to encourage you through the night as, as the word is being preached that you would check your body out to see if it's something that you can check. And if you feel like you're like 80 to 90% better, then you can just stand up briefly just so uh, can see and acknowledge that. And, um, and then if you don't feel anything tonight, that's okay. Just be checking it throughout the week. We're just, just pressing into this thing. Um, as schizophrenia has been healed from <laughs> the preaching of the word without receiving prayer, late hands laid on, um, and there's not through me, of course. I mean, it hasn't, but I'm just saying that I've heard testimonies through the preaching of the word, and people have been healed that way. And then something else I felt uh, to focus on, um, you know, just praying for the service. I just saw the the crown of thorns on Jesus' head, and it just reminded me of the the pain that he took. Um, particularly in the head area. Uh, so if there's trauma, if there's uh, emotional trauma, brain issues, headaches, um, so just, just receive that, just speak that over your people, God, that there would be healing in the brain, healing in the mind, uh, headaches, uh, migraines. We just ask you to obliterate those in Jesus' name because by your pains, your stripes, we were healed. So we just thank you for that, Lord, and, and uh, yep. Jesus' name. All right. Amen. So I think this is the one that, yeah. <clears throat> so for this, this is the fourth session um, on uh, interaction in the supernatural or the reality of the supernatural. I actually had some other stuff originally planned, but I felt like the Lord wanted to go this direction on dreams and interpretation. And so basically interaction with God during dreams. How many of you attended the well, gosh, I don't know what year this was, 2010 or 11, Tom? Do you remember when I taught at the school about hearing God? Do you happen to remember, you guys? <laughs> Somewhere, anyway, it was five, six, okay, you, you were, so if you were here, okay. So some of you will, will recognize some of this material, and, and others, well, of you, it'll be the first time, so that'll be good. So this will be a quick crash course, because I think in that series it was like three, um, three weeks worth, and this is kind of condensed into one. So to give you some backdrop, in 2010, 
um, Karen, my, well, actually the whole family, we went to a conference in, I believe it was Tennessee, and she's shaking her head, so that means I got it right. Uh, it was the Blue Moon Conference. It was the end of 2009, going into 2010, if I remember. Uh, Larry Randolph was one of the main speakers, and so was Bob Jones. Um, so during that time, after one of the sessions, Karen pulled aside Bob Jones <laughs> so that he could lay hands on our family and just impart. And um, so it was kind of noisy and we were trying to record and instead of like, he, he, you know, he always had to sit and stuff, you know, at, at this age and, and um, it was just hard for him. He had issues with his knees or whatever. And so he would, um, he, he we all stood in a circle and, and we prayed that way. So anyway, um, it was about a week later after that, that Karen began to get these incredible, detailed, visionary experiences and has them to this day. So, and I think it was, yeah, so that was 2010, 2008, or maybe 2010, I don't know, that's been on and off, but Ariana um, also somewhere in that time frame received uh, more and more dreams, uh, spiritual dreams, visions, very visionary. Um, I think it was, yeah, last Sunday, <laughs> I, she, was, she was up here when we were, Tom was having everybody get prayer and stuff, and she just saw in a vision a, a robed man, I'm going to say, below the waist, below, below the waist, oops, and uh, just saw the, the robe and the feet, but also noticed the, the nail prints in the feet, and Jesus was walking around and touching people, so there's a lot going on in the spirit realm that uh, we, we don't realize sometimes. And so for me, it was probably 2007 that I had some dreams that were of significance. It picked up in 2008 after our experience in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, things really kind of shot, skyrocketed from that experience. And so it's been approximately 10 years uh, of regularly experiencing dreams and um, and visions, but tonight's focus is on dreams. So all that is for a reason that I'll get to later, um, but we believe in impartation and we certainly receive, well, especially Karen, I can't say that I know that I got something, but you just, you receive it by faith and sometimes things activate later. Um, so let's, let's start going through this here. <clears throat> so just an introduction in the series that I did several years ago, there was several key uh, people that I talked about. Dr. Mark Verkler was one of them. And he made a statement in his teachings, all the dreams and the actions which people took as a result of those dreams are approximately a third of the Bible, which would be the size of the New Testament. I tried to do a, an accurate assessment of this and I, I couldn't quite get it figured out. Um, but when you think of Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah, uh, and all the revelatory experiences that they have in those uh, dreams, visions. Um, and then, of course, the book of Revelation is entirely, you know, so it's not probably a far off cry from a third. Uh, the other thing to, to note is that a third of our life is basi basically spent in sleep, uh, assuming that you sleep eight hours or thereabouts, give or take, right? So uh, I think studies show that humans dream approximately two hours a night, so that'd be like the full-length movie while you sleep, so why not allow this time uh, for God to pursue a friendship and intimacy with you? 
The other thing that I would mention is um, it feels like it's happening all night sometimes in your dreams, even though you're probably only dreaming two hours uh, because there's no time in the spirit realm. So it's it's just, you know, it's getting there, here and there. And so I'm told I haven't done any transportation, but uh, there really is no time. You know, we're, we're in this little capsule called time and eternity is around us past present and, and future so it's kind of hard for us to imagine what it's like um, and then of course your spirit man never sleeps you're, you're continually alive it was only when death was introduced that man was really the, the 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 initial plan of God was never that our our soul and our spirit would be separated from our body but death and sin came in and that'll be all redeemed one day thank God we'll get our a brand new body it'll be the same but it'll be a resurrected body and uh, death will be swallowed up by life uh, but for now, we have to deal with it, and, and so now we have to sleep, right? We have to eat and so forth. So a couple things about dreams as we're getting into the introduction. Dreams are primarily a symbolic language for God to speak to you in a personal way. And many times, they're very faint or vague. They're very symbolic. Rarely are they literal. However, I will tell you um, that many times there are encounters that happen that are real in or during the dream. I've had about four or five where I knew I was sleeping, but I also was aware that I was awake and I was aware that I was interacting in the dream, that I had I could make decisions, I could I could look at myself, I could, okay, this is is this real or is this a dream? I mean, I'm pretty sure this is I'm in a dream, but I'm still so it can be very real. Um and I'll I'll explain a little bit more about why that is, I think, but um so the, the, the encounters can be very real, and we'll see a few examples of this. So as we're looking, don't go, okay, good. So there's a little bit of overlap here when it, you were talking about visions and dreams, and so we'll, we'll hit a little bit about visions, but dreams are basically images on the screen of your mind while you're sleeping. Visions would be images on the screen of your mind while you're awake. Night visions would be kind of the half asleep or half awake scenario, uh, like early morning or you're taking a nap and you're kind of a conscious that you're uh, there, you know, on the bed or wherever, but you're also seeing images or, or dreaming as you're doing that. Uh, some people call this the twilight state. Daydreaming would be using the visionary process uh, and also uh, I think of professional sports in this scenario where you're imagining uh, the line of the putt for the ball to go into the hole or a basketball player hitting, you know, the, the hoop. So the question to ask is, who is it that is playing the movie on the screen of your mind? And this is where the interpretation part comes in. You know, is it, is it just me? Uh, or is God revealing things to me? Is he playing things on the screen of my mind? Or is the devil trying to do it? Because he can try to incite fear, uh, worry, anxiety. Um, now, certainly, we can bring those things upon ourselves as we imagine and think on the wrong things. Um, but anyways, we're, we're trying to discern the source so that we can partner with the correct source. Some things come from our heart or our memory. So if I say uh, the phrase space travel, uh, what immediately comes to your mind? What is it? Star Wars, okay. So she thought of a movie. Uh, some people may think of the space shuttle, some people may think, depending on your age, of the uh, other, you know, the long, the long one. Um, 
yeah, Apollo or uh, or even those before that, right? I don't I don't know what the order is, the Gemini and all those, but um, then you have things like baseball. If I say that phrase, there'll be things that come up. Maybe a great memory with Dad, or maybe you actually see baseball. See, we're very visionary. The mind has to associate. When you hear that word, something will come to mind. You'll see a vision. You'll have an image, unless you're blind, of course, right? Um, then they wouldn't have any concept of that uh, unless they you know, became blind later in life, obviously. Um, so let's see, flowers would be another one where you would, some of you would see a specific kind of flower. So the point is that you're, you, the, the memory kicks in and images will project on the screen of your mind. If I say uh, astrophysics, what do you think about that one? <laughs> How many of you saw something with astrophysics? <laughs> right, so this is where Jeremy says, um, if you don't know what the heck it is, then something your mind has to associate with. So you may, um, you may see it like a periodic table chart or something because you have no idea what astrophysics is. But you have to come up with something. You have to figure out what the heck it is you're seeing. So you just, you're, you know, something comes up, right? Um, so Matthew 15, 19, Jesus talked about how that out of the heart come evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, etc. And those are the things that defile a man. Well, those are imagery things. You, you can't kill somebody just without thinking about it and imagining it. Right, you're using a visionary process for that, and we won't go into the other ones, okay? Um, in the Romans 12, too, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you can think about the bad things, and those things can affect you, and you can view those images, or you can think about the good things, and those can have an effect on you in a positive way. You can be transformed by renewing your mind with the truth, and so we want to partner with, uh, with the truth, right? Amen. So... Did you know that, and I'll give you some scriptures here, I don't think I have these up here, but the Bible actually encourages you to see visions and to dream dreams. So the first one would be Philippians 4.8, whatever things are true, lovely, good report, virtuous, pure, praiseworthy, if there's anything good, think on these things, right? So you cannot help but see images when you think on lovely things. You, you will think of something when you're thinking about lovely, pure. You have to associate it with something. So in my mind, the Bible is encouraging me to think on imagery kind of things. I'm seeing visions in that sense. Now, yes, I'm, I'm making it up in the sense, like I'm going by memory. But as we'll see later, somewhere I get to it, we'll see how the Lord takes over in visions, okay? Um, and especially in dreams, because visions... Sometimes you can make things play in your mind, whereas a dream, you don't have control over it. <laughs> Except for the fact where you are perhaps moving around in the dream and you can have decisions, right? I've, I've actually had to repent in a dream. I've had to fight the devil in a dream. I've had to do conscious things in a dream so that he would shut up or he would stop or I would get in line with what God is doing or telling me. Because sometimes what happens is the, the, this, this, this natural world that we're in we, we tend to get our senses dulled and we sometimes lose the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He's been trying to tell us something and we've just been ignoring him. Well, finally, he'll, he'll track us down in a dream. And the reality and the feeling of that is like, 
wow, I've got to repent like right now. I've got to change like I've got to, it's like, you know, is this, I'm hoping this is a dream because I don't want what ha- is happening in the dream. You know, it's like the, the f- I'll talk about this later, the fear of the Lord kind of dreams because we dull our senses sometimes with, with this realm. And so in a dream, it's like a thousand times magnified. Uh, and of course you get up and you, and you wake up and the dreams can fade. And, and so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but um, there's definitely um, an advantage to, to what God will do in, in the visionary process during dreams. John 3.3 3 says you can see the kingdom if you're born again, right? Jeremy Kara said, if you don't use your imagination, you won't engage in the spiritual realm. And that's just the truth. You, if you don't take the risk of using your imagination, getting the process started, then you're going to miss out on... See, I used to think back in the 80s when I first got saved that if God was going to give me a vision, he would just lay it on me, baby. You know, he would just... Whatever. I th- th- in other words, there was no cooperation on my part. I didn't have to get in the flow is, is, is I guess, the term that I'll use. And so... Um, We'll get to that verse here in just a second, but uh, Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, he prayed that the eyes of their heart would be flooded with words. No, not words. I'm misquoting it purposely. Nobody called me out. Flooded with light. Flooded with light. That's something you see. That's what he's praying. And notice he says it's the eyes of your heart. So your eyes, your heart has eyes. Not just these, but your heart does. So it's good to present the eyes of your heart to Jesus and allow divine flow. Now, what do I mean by divine flow? John 7, 37 through 39 says, On the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He was talking about the inner part of your, your spirit, man. He's also, uh, the word is used for womb many times. So we all have a spiritual womb in a sense. God births things through our spirit, Right? And, and then verse 39 says this, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. So the spirit man mixed with the Holy Spirit, who is the living waters, he is the living waters. Flow means that I get in the river and that I just begin to imagine Jesus or I focus on him or some story in the Bible or whatever. That's me getting in the river. And then what happens is Jesus begins to take over in the vision. I don't force things. I don't try to turn the river the own way that I want to go. Like, God, I've got to have an answer now. So what are you saying about this? No, that, that will lead to darkness, right? <laughs> you have to go where the Holy Spirit wants to show you in the vision. And it will surprise you many times. So what we're doing is we're looking to see what's on his heart and mind because we have the mind of Christ. It's a spontaneous thing. Flow is spontaneous. Just to give you an example, um, one of the, the visions that I had recently was um, we would always start out, usually Jesus and I start out on the beach for whatever reason. I'm always a kid. I'm always about six to eight years old, probably because I didn't have a, a great dad growing up. So he's kind of making up for that lost time, so to speak. I'm getting to be tickled and all the stuff that I did with my kids at that age. Well, I, he and I get to do that. You know, he'll tickle my feet, or I'll get to play with his beard, or, you know, I'll be messing with his beard, he'll be biting at my hands, you know, stuff like that, stuff that I would have loved to have had as a kid, but I didn't get it, but so now he's giving it to me in in the visionary process. I'm not trying to make it up, it's just happening. 
but I still focus first on Jesus. He is the entrance into the light and the way, the truth, and life. He's the only safe entrance, and he will keep us safe, as Jeremy greatly pointed out. So anyway, suddenly we're in a boat, he and I together. It's a small boat, enough for three people, and we're going to this island, and I know in my spirit that it's called the Island of Burnout. And on this island, there's um, a bunch of, I'd say, 50-year-old people with gray hair, and they're calling out, help, help. (laughs) And I know that Jesus will be rowing the boat and will be picking one up and ministering to them, apparently, one at a time. Now, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know anything about it, but... I didn't make that stuff up. I mean, I was just as surprised as anybody to hear Island of Burnout. Oh, okay, I didn't know there was such a thing. And and then Jesus said, they have to learn how to become like children again. I said, oh, okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> so that's just an example of the spontaneousness that can happen during visions. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, Jesus, or uh, God says, I know the thoughts, the imaginations, the purpose that I think towards you Thoughts to give you peace and not evil and to give you hope and a good expectation. So in other words, God envisions plans for your life. He, he thinks about it in the advance. Even before you were born, he was thinking about, okay, I'm envisioning this. Here's, here's what this guy is going to do. Here's the Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has, prepare, has before, be prepared beforehand, right? So he's thinking about those things. He starts envisioning and dreaming about the things that you can walk in that you'll be, you just be crazy about. You'll be f- totally joyous in him. Colossians 3.1, right? So how will you know what these things are unless you start envisioning them yourself? How will you know what his thoughts and imaginations and plans are unless you begin to partner with the Lord in using the visionary process, in dreaming with God? Colossians 3.1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, So where are we to set our affections is not here, but there. And he says, seek those things which are above. Well, how many of you have ever been above? (coughs) The answer is probably none of us have been above in the sense of, yes, we're seated with Christ, but we don't know what it looks like. So the only way you're going to be able to seek those things is you're going to have to start using the imaginary, visionary process so you can begin to see what's up there, right? And let Jesus take over in, in that process. And you can get with him on it, like, and say, and I don't know if this guy's telling the truth or right. And so you just get with Jesus and you say, okay, I'm presenting the eyes of my heart to you. You say to seek those things which are above. I'm focusing on you. What's that look like? And then he can, he can, you, you guys can work it out. So, um, yeah, dreaming with God, you know, imagining every school in this area in Newcastle has Karen's curriculum for example that's a great place to dream with God I bet I bet his heart is for that so why can't we dream that and envision what that would look like right that's intentionally using the visionary process Uh, or you know the the Holy Spirit poured out on every church denominational or non-denominational doesn't matter I mean um, when I was uh, pastoring before Sunday morning I would go to the church and I would it would be empty, and I would often intentionally shout out these crazy, off-the-wall kind of words, you know, like, I see you back there, your name is John Frank, and you're from Southern California, and 
and uh, you're getting ready to have surgery on your eyes, and the Lord says you're going to be healed in your in your eyes right now in Jesus' name. And you just crazy stuff. I would just make up stuff as, as you know. Or, and right now the Lord's healing your blind eyes; they're beginning to open. I would just 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 throw those things out there, like just get as crazy and as bold as I possibly could, because if you don't practice when nobody's with you, sometimes you probably it's, it's harder to do it when you're you know just on the fly, right? And you, you have to be imagining that God can use you in that capacity, <clears throat> right? So, um, yeah, or, or uh, birthdays would come later, you know, like uh, June 12th, I'd throw that one out there and, and, just, and just practice, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> so let's look at some, there we go, some foundational verses here, because we want to lay a biblical foundation, we don't want to just do what we want to do, right? Acts 2, 16 to 18, what you see this morning, this is the New Living, or the, the Living Bible translation, it was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Holy Spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Yes, the Holy Spirit shall come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they shall prophesy. So the thing to point out with this verse is several things. Who invented visions, dreams, and prophecy. Whose idea was it? It was God's. He's the one that came up with it. Notice two of the three are visionary experiences, visions and dreams. The other thing to point out is that it's not only young men can see visions and only old men can dream dreams, but it really means whether you're young, old, male, female, you can have visions, dreams, prophesy, right? We know this from other parts in, in the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. So it's not limited to that. It's everybody can have these things. So God speaks many languages and you qualify for all of them. You only need to know that you can. And when you know that you can, then you will start to because it's on your grid of expectation. Without the grid of expectation, you can go for years without visions and dreams, Right? But when you know that you can, when you know that you should be, because we just gave you three scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, and Philippians 4, 8, those encourage you to use your imagination. <clears throat> so when we know that we can, then we begin to, then God begins to, ah, he's got a foundation to work with, right? And just grow us. The other thing is that uh, he says it's on all flesh, so it's not limited to believers. He's going to pour out his spirit. So he's going to fall on unbelievers too. Who will interpret dreams for the world? Will it be psychics or the church? Right now, there's a big part of the church that is afraid of this kind of stuff. They think it's weird or they don't have a grid for it. And folks, we got to have the answer. We got to not be afraid to delve into the supernatural. Um, your sons and your daughters, he says. So, you know, I, I like that he's, He's pouring out his spirit on all mankind. He's not afraid to mingle with mankind, not afraid to touch flesh. Uh, but, but secondly, he says, your sons and your daughters, your young men, your old men. See, God is interested in your whole family, being saved, being born again, filled with the spirit, experiencing these things. Yes, you're going to get it, but he's really interested in your generations and the promises that's going to happen for your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. We have to build momentum now so that uh, there's a great reaping later. Did you know that in the early uh, seasons of the church, in, in church history, there was a time where people didn't have 
the assurance of salvation like we do today. Um, you know, there was this thing with works, and and then of course, 400 years ago, Martin Luther with the 95 Theses, and, um, there was a, a great awakening, if you will, to grace by faith instead of works, and and you know, there's there's Catholicism stuff there, but th- the point is, is that from that time the cross of grace by faith has been preached for 400 years. And now today, I know that if I pray with somebody and lead them in, quote, the sinner's prayer or something similar, even if I don't get the words exactly right, if they're sincere, they'll be born again on the spot. They will have eternal life on the spot. They don't have to wait a week, two weeks, years, or whatever it was you know, in the past. Why? Because a momentum has taken place for 400 years of the truth being preached. And when it is accurately preached for 400 years, there's a momentum that happens where heaven actually begins to happen on earth in such a way that it just outshines the darkness, you know, the lies. And there's this momentum that's happened. And we're also beginning to see it in the areas of healing. 30 years ago, healing was mostly done by some of the big names. Today, it is all over the place and everybody's doing it. Some of the ones that I, you know, it's like I wouldn't have thought they were qualified, right, (laughs) by the way they look or the background they came from, but that doesn't seem to matter to God. He's using everybody to heal, and some of them are getting greater healings and miracles than even some of the big names, right? So this thing is building momentum. So the point is, is, you you say, why is this important that I dream, or why is this important that we go after this stuff? Because three generations from now, you want your great, great, great grandchildren to be walking in this greater than you ever thought imagined or possible. And it starts with us, our responsibility. We have to build a foundation. We have to build a momentum so that our ceiling becomes their floor, right? Um, Great grandchildren and and, and so forth. And um, think about this also, Revelation 5, 8. You know, your prayers live on even after you pass this earth. They're still in this golden bowl full of incense called the prayers of the saints. So you may not see everything you're praying for today, but God oversees it. He oversees, he's watching. Oh, you, you, want, you want a family line of revivalists and pastors and evangelists and, uh, and people that, that walk naturally in supernatural signs and wonders? Okay, you won't see the fulfillment of it totally, but I'm, I'm gonna answer that prayer. Four generations from now, it's gonna be like the norm. <laughs> So those are the kind of things we're, that we're thinking of as we're pursuing, uh, you know, the Acts chapter 2 kind of stuff. All right, so let's look at some more scriptures here. <clears throat> Psalm 16, 7. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. He gives me wisdom in the night. He tells me what to do. Yeah. Job 33, 14 to 18. For God speaks again and again in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they lie on their beds. He opens their ears in times like that and gives them wisdom and instruction, causing them to change their minds, keeping them from pride, warning them of the penalties of sin and keeping them from falling into some trap. Matthew 27, 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. God falls on unbelievers and speaks as well. Acts 16, 6 through 11, Paul has this vision in the night, come over to Macedonia and help us. What was he trying to figure out the previous three or four nights before? Where to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit was forbidding them. And he has a night vision. We don't know if that means he was sleeping, if he was in the twilight state or what. 
point is, is he got some kind of a visionary thing that told him where to go. And it was what was burning on his heart. In Genesis 41, 1 to 40, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream after 13 years of not such nice time. And it propels him into his destiny, saving Egypt, Israel, and the entire area. Through one dream interpretation, shot him up. God can do anything. And dreams can be the medium. And he has used dreams. Think about Jesus getting ready to be killed by, uh, you know, the, 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 the um, I can't think of his name, Pilate, I think it was, right? Who they were going to search for the child and kill the child. And in a dream, Joseph is warned to take the child to Egypt. What if he hadn't obeyed? What if he said, ah, oh, dreams don't mean anything. That's not God. What would, how would, how, you know, what would be, what would God have done? In Judges 7, 9 through 18, God strengthens Gideon's faith through a dream in the enemy's camp. The enemy has a dream and he hears the interpretation and he, and he gets strength to, you know, to, to, for the Lord and for Gideon, right? 1 Kings 3, uh, 5 to 15. Let's get to this one. So the Lord appeared to him in a dream that night and told him to ask for anything that he wanted. This is Solomon. And it would be given to him. In verse 9, Give me an understanding mind so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between what is right and wrong. Verse 10, the Lord was pleased with his reply. Verse 11 to 14, so he replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people and haven't asked for long life or riches for yourself or the defeat of your enemies, yes, I will give you what you've asked for. I will give you a wiser mind than anyone else ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you didn't ask for. Riches and honor, and so I just put in there, think Matthew 6.33. We have to have it backwards sometimes. We're seeking these things, and God says, if you seek first the kingdom, I'll give you all the other stuff. So seek him first, and then the Lord's more than happy to give you riches and honor and life, right? He says, and no one in the world will be as rich and famous as you for the rest of your life, and I will give you a long life if you follow and obey my laws. And, and then verse 15, then Solomon woke up and he realized, eh, it was just a dream. Is that what he said? It was just a dream? No. What happened? He got the wisdom, and everything that he got came to pass. But he got an impartation while he was sleeping. While he was sleeping, he got the gift of wisdom that only Jesus could outdo, that we know of on this earth. Since that time, there's been never a, a wiser that we know of. And it was in a dream, which is pretty cool. And it really happened, right? It was a, a real interaction. Genesis 20 God warns Abimelech not to touch Abraham's wife. Remember, Abraham lied that it was his sister instead of his wife. And they're having this back and forth conversation in a dream. And he tells him what to do in the dream. So there's many more, but you kind of get the gist, right? So, <clears throat> so now let's talk about the types of dreams that you can have. I've listed 12. I think John Paul Jackson has 20, but I've kind of condensed some things and Re, you know, fashion some things, and they a lot of times overlap. So number one would be warning dreams. This is not necessarily in any kind of order. It's just whatever order we have there. So this is kind of like dreams to be careful about something. Uh, number two, directional or change of directions kind of dreams. Uh, think Joseph and Mary in this case, where they were told where to put take Jesus and when to bring him back. And you will, you'll get. You'll get these kind of dreams as you start, you know, um, going through this process of, of seeking the Lord to speak to you in the night. 
Number three, confirmation dreams. Paul's night vision uh, is an example of that. You're confirming where you're supposed to go. I think they said in that verse that we concluded that the Lord was calling us to go to Macedonia. Uh, number four, courage dreams. So think Gideon in that scenario. You're, you're going through a challenge or something in your job or something, and God can come in a dream and give you courage because he shows you something. Number five, you could, there could be demonic or false dreams, right? You're, you're getting too close to the Lord, so the devil's going to try to throw you a curveball and scare you or something like that. Um, and you can, you can fight those, right, as you're dreaming them. Um, you can pray before you go to bed and, and so forth as well. Number six, correctional dreams. As I said, I've experienced many fear of the Lord kind of dreams in this scenario uh, where I was like, okay, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Uh, there's no question. Even though the dream was, um, how should I say, it was very symbolic. The Lord could have really put it in my face, but he just did it in such a kind, gentle manner that he didn't have to make it explodified to where I knew exactly what he's pinpointing. He could have really blasted me, but he did it nicely. And, it, and it's such a magnification in the spirit realm that it's like, you're just like, wow. I'm so thankful you, you could have really squished me like a bug and, and you were gentle to show me this. And I get it. I get it. I, I'm, I'm going to change or turn or whatever, not do this or do that, whatever. Uh, number seven, gifts of the spirit kind of dreams. So you have cases like Solomon. Healing and deliverance dreams. Think of Joseph in Egypt on this one. You could be healed during a dream. Um, I had one instance where uh, from a, a residue of, of an attack, the Lord showed me something, and I, I, don't, I haven't seen the fullness of it yet, but I, I at least did, did it by faith. You know, I, I pulled out what I saw was there that shouldn't be based on a dream. Um, number nine, dreams of invention or solution. We'll read a couple of those later. Uh, there, there's a lot of inventions that have happened through dreams. Uh, number 10, pizza or natural dreams. So if you work a lot or you watch a gory movie before going to bed or if you think about math for four hours straight, you're probably going to think that kind of stuff as you're dreaming. You'll, you'll dream math, you'll dream numbers, you'll dream about the movie, you know, that kind of stuff. So those are natural. We all dream. Uh, number 11, calling dreams. I actually received a call to pastor through a dream. And everything came to pass in the dream. Well, sorry. Let me think about that. Yes. In the dream, yes. Some of the stuff that I thought would happen, no. <laughs> but yeah, it was amazingly accurate. Uh, and then second heaven dreams are calling the dreamer to intercede. We talked about this a few weeks ago, or actually a few months ago, but it was in session two or three. These are, you know, in the 80s when we would get dreams because we were not trained in this and we had a dream about someone or something, we'd say, oh, this is inevitable, it's going to happen. Or we would see something, we'd dream something bad about somebody, and we, oh, they're in sin, they need to repent or whatever. And we would partner with what the enemy's plan was versus having the dream and realizing, oh, this is the intent of the enemy the Lord's revealing to me, I need to pray the opposite. I need to partner with heaven to pray against what I'm seeing because dreams are not inevitable just as prophetic words are not inevitable. We have a choice. And so, um, so when, you, when you begin to take those on, 
in the proper way, then the Lord will give you more dreams about people and as you're faithfully praying for them, you know, in the right way and, and not just prophesying or declaring negative things, you know. Um, yeah, we've had many, several, where God's revealed situations to us uh, that we couldn't tell the people involved and we just had to pray and because many secrets God gives you, you're not at liberty to share with anybody. It's just between you and God. Uh, there's one here that I didn't list. I would call it visitation dreams. These are rare. Lovely if they ever happen to you, but it's where an angel or Jesus himself comes and visits you. Those are literal, right? Those are like, can't mistake that one. No sim symbolism there. And uh, many Muslims are coming to Christ because of visitation dreams. So let's look at some key principles. Number one, you can hear God's voice in the night in the same way you can hear God's voice during the day. Dreams and visions are part of the, your inheritance as a believer. <clears throat> and we assume they're reliable messages from God. Once we have the basis of assuming they're reliable, then we're more likely to catch what God's saying. Number two, dreams can release divine creativity or solutions to problems. Nightmares may be the scream of an unhealed heart. If you're having nightmares, there may be a sozo needed or you know something, some kind of ministry needed um, or you need deliverance. Not always, or there could be a traumatic experience that's happened and you know those, those things, because your heart, uh, many times your heart will also express itself in a dream at night. Uh, I remember one time when I was stuffing something and I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to go to this person in this situation, but I wasn't letting out what was bothering me. And so in a dream, there were three love seats that were stacked upon one upon another. And on the third love seat on the bottom, something was under there and it was represented my heart somehow. I knew what it meant, what the representation was and love seat, you know, the seat of your emotions kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. So I knew that, oh, okay, I need to at least start writing about this and get this out of my heart instead of internalizing it and burying it because I was, I was burying my heart, essentially. So your, your heart will uh, express things in dreams as well. So as I said, many inventions came from dreams. The idea of Google came through a dream. I don't know if that's a good thing, but <coughs> no, it probably is. It's, but um, the periodic table, insulin used for treatment of diabetes, Albert Einstein's theory of relativity came in a dream. And there's many more you could find if you did a Google search. Not all dreams and inventions are of the Lord, obviously. Think about medieval times where they had inter interesting devices to kill and torture people. That probably wasn't God, right? <clears throat> so number three, assume the dream is about you, especially if you are the active participant. We'll say that 95% of dreams are about us, especially if we're just starting to get into dreams and interpretation. 5% are about others. If you're an observer in the dream, then the dream is likely about someone or something else. Number four, dreams generally speak of concerns or issues your heart is currently facing. Most dreams, most of the time, are not foretelling, but they are relevant for now. Dreams are often God-given answers to our deepest heartfelt thoughts or questions with current situations or difficulties we're experiencing. Number five, dreams are typically symbolic. Sometimes they're literal. An angel or the Lord visits you, but most of the time they're symbolic. And so we're asking, what does this picture about? What does this image or symbol mean to me in my life? Um, so that leads to number six. The symbols usually come from the dreamer's heart. What's going on in your life? What are you familiar with? 
dreams I have that are related to work are almost always in the context of Walmart or McDonald's because those were my first two main jobs. Walmart is always the um, ministry years when I was in ministry at the church primarily, and then McDonald's is the non-ministry years. I mean, I was still ministering at the church, but I wasn't like in a, in a big role, so to speak, during those years. Uh, dreams of cars are almost always ministry related. When the church was about to close, my car was down to the tires and a frame because it was about to close. The, that season of driving that car was just about over. Interestingly, the, uh, the car was parked here in New Covenant's parking lot, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. <laughs> Even so, the Lord didn't give us permission to come here for a year and a half. I don't know why. You just got to go with it, you know. Other times, if I was trying to get too quickly involved in ministry or, or, or something again, then something would happen to my car in a dream. It would go off a cliff or it wouldn't start or uh, something bad is right near it, and, you know, those kind of things. And so, or it would be all revved up and I'd have to, you know, hit the pedal so, the, the pedal so it would stop revving up because I'm not getting anywhere and I'm just exciting the engine, but you're not supposed to go anywhere kind of thing. And so, uh, it's just amazing the Lord will speak to you in dreams. Numbers and dreams are usually literal, and they mean exactly what they say, 11 months, 7 years, 6 days, etc., etc. One recent dream that I had was the number of 4444 on the license plate of a BMW. I don't own a BMW, but I, in the dream I do. And won't go into the details of the BMW, but the fact that 4444, it represents angelic help or assignment or angels surrounding you. How do I know this? Because I looked it up in the Seer Dictionary, mm -hmm. and the Lord knew I would use that dictionary to look it up. Right. So, it, Seer Dictionaries are helpful, but they're not the law or the Bible, but they're certainly helpful. And I'll have a couple links for you later on that. <clears throat> Number eight, animals and dreams typically refer uh, to emotions that are within you. So what is the attribute of that animal that describes the emotion you're experiencing in your life at the moment? Animals aren't always emotions. Sometimes the animals represent a theme that's happening in your life. Uh, one person, whenever they see a big snake, they know it's Satan. Some people may love snakes, and that wouldn't be Satan to them, possibly. Right? So it depends on the dreamer what kind of things they'll get. Uh, most of the times when I'm fearing something that I shouldn't be, um, I have a bear that's, that's uh, chasing me in some fashion in my dream. It's always been a bear if, if there's fear that shouldn't be. Number nine, people in dreams are usually parts of yourself or closely associated with you. So what's the dominant character trait of that person? Is that the evangelist side of me? Sometimes the people represent good things and sometimes not so good things. And it's unfortunate, but it happens. And it's not that you're demonizing or labeling that person in a negative way, but you just know the Lord is speaking to you from that association that you had because of something in the past, and, and you're able to catch his message of what he's saying. Somebody that you can't trust, for example, and they're in the dream, and you say, okay, so I, I got to be careful here, right? Um, people could also represent a trait, good or bad. Joaquin Evans, perhaps, could be healing revivalist or friendship with the Holy Spirit. Bill Johnson could be representation of apostolic. Um... There's been so many dreams we've had through the years where people represent something to us. Number 10, names are often a play on words. Holy, Holly, Paul, Apostolic, Newman, Transformation. Uh, had a dream recently where I was playing Frisbee with a couple other people, and 
the Frisbee uh, represented to me Lonnie Frisbee, who's who I thought of. He was instrumental in uh, initiating the Jesus movement, walked in great healing signs and wonders. So, um, and, and we all get to play and, and do the stuff. You know, it was a Frisbee. We were playing, having fun. The two men represent uh, ministries at some point that I'll touch. So in some way or have some interaction with, and it'll be fun because you're playing, right? So everything that you get in a dream, it's important you write it down. Don't just throw it away because the Lord will highlight something to you out of it. It's always symbolic. Rarely will you get an in-your-face dream that says, okay, you are sitting, you need to stop, or here's this and here's this. And, you know, it's, it's almost always symbolic, almost. Dreams are meant to reveal, excuse me, number 11, sorry. The dreamer's heart will leap or bear witness when he hears or perceives the right interpretation. Our job is to ask the right questions in interpreting our dreams and in helping others interpret their dreams. Number 12, dreams are meant to reveal, not condemn, nor bring fear or terror. Dreams can be the Lord giving us mid-course corrections for life. Same with prophetic words. They're not uh, inevitable, but there is a grace and ability to change if necessary. Number 13, we don't make major decisions on a dream only. If possible, we try to get confirmations. The Bible, multitude of counselors, our spouse, family. Nevertheless, dreams can give great faith and counsel, as we've seen as what happened with Gideon or Mary and Joseph. We've had several course corrections in our life based on dreams, church closure, upcoming attacks, church to attend, what to do with our money, just many, many situations, people to pray for. Um, the more assignments you agree to pick up and pray, the more that he gives you. And number 14, uh, dreams are the invitation to a deeper intimacy with God as we pursue him for answers and directions. They're not meant to replace hearing his voice or the study of the word. We want to be careful that we don't require God to give us an answer in a dream only. Otherwise, he may not let you do that and get you out of your comfort zone. You've got to trust the still small voice. Dreams are a great supplement, but they're not the catch-all or be-all. So those are most of the key principles that, that I know of. In 10 years, there'll probably be more. There's others that overlap. So now we want to look at key principles for interpretation. Genesis 40, verse 8, they said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the key interpreter, number one, is the Holy Spirit, who will bear witness in the dreamer's heart. We rely on him for guidance and direction. Even with all of our principles and seer dictionaries, we can still miss it, just like in prophecy, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. And that's okay. There are still mysterious elements in dreams that we don't quite understand or even in visions. That's okay. We just lean on Jesus' chest. I'm probably up to maybe 30 to 40% of interpreting my dreams. I've had several that I don't know what to do with, that I didn't record because I didn't think they meant anything, or I forgot them by the time I woke up. Number two, what was on your mind when you went to bed the night before? I can't tell you how important that key aspect is. Number three, notice the time, notice the setting, the time and the location in the dream. Number four, characters in the dream, animals or people. Number five, pay attention to things in the dream, numbers, symbols, colors, etc. Number six, what was the key emotion? What did you feel like when you awoke? How did you feel in the dream? God doesn't give us fear, 
But, you know, as I said, I've had many fear the Lord type of dreams. So I knew immediately what I was to do. Sometimes he does the work immediately and you just know what you're supposed to do. You don't need a lot of interpretation for what's going on. But the key emotions will, will help you. Number seven, what was the key action in the dream? Were you falling? Where have you lost your footing? Were you flying? Where are you soaring? Is there a ditch or a wrong turn? Is the car going backwards? Are you drowning? Is someone else driving your car? Who is influencing your life? Uh, are you showing up half-dressed or naked? <laughs> this could be uh, that you're unprepared, that there's fear of man going on. I had many dreams where I was naked, actually, and um, I was trying to find clothing or whatever. Transparency is good, but the message to me was you were being too transparent. You're exposing yourself too much. So that was the message to me, right? I was giving too much information or whatever, kind of like Hezekiah showing the enemy all of their treasures and gold and stuff. And, you know, that was a mistake. So there, you know, the, we, the, there's an inner circle we have, right, of people that we trust in giving information. Jesus did not commit himself to men for he knew what was in man. He, he had the, 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 the one, John, the three, Peter, James, and John. Then he had the, the 12. And then from there, he shared, he shared his life with people, obviously sinners and those in adultery and even the Pharisees would eat with him and stuff. But he was still uh, only committed himself to certain people. You know, there were still boundaries that he had. He didn't commit and trust his heart to everybody in, a, in, in the natural physical realm that he lived in as a man. There were still only certain ones that he really committed himself to in, in the sense that we understand it. Uh, so as Danny Selk points out in his book, uh, you know, Jesus had boundaries and, and we should as well. Uh, for instance, Al-Qaeda, he shows, is the outer circle, right? We want those guys to get saved, but I'm not going to show them where I live or invite them to my house unless I have direction of the Lord to do so or unless we have an encounter with them and, you know, they're hungry for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to be careful with that. Um, so let's see here. Number eight, the plot. What was the, the key message of the dream in one to two sentences? Try to summarize it. Uh, and don't be too logical either. <clears throat> uh, you could also read your dreams twice because sometimes we pick up things later. Did the Lord give you an interpretation or impression as you woke from the dream? Sometimes God tells us flat out and does it in a night just like he did with Solomon and other times you may realize the dream's uh, interpretation a year from now. So just go back on it. Reread it later. <clears throat> All right, preparation before bed. Number one, you want to have, so by the way, you've been taking notes, and I love it, and I haven't told you anything yet because the more you take notes, the more you memorize, but I also have all these on a paper here. <laughs> so, because um, I want you to take notes, but all these key principles are here, unless I, no. <clears throat> so, there's 18 copies here, so there's two, four, six, eight, yeah, there's, it'll be close, some of you can fight over it, but. <laughs> so the reason I do that is because I don't have all the notes here. Some of the scriptures aren't on there. You know, I, it's a very, it's a one pager, right? And everything I have is on four pages, so it doesn't fit. So have a pen and paper ready or a recorder or both. Often we're too tired to write the, down, uh, the dream down, so I always record mine. You want to do this as soon as you, po as you possibly can because dreams fade very fast. The willingness to journal demonstrates our hunger and honor towards the voice of the Lord through dreams. Number two, set your affections and heart towards Jesus as you're going to sleep. Take a few minutes to worship and thank him. 
Number three, tell Holy Spirit he can take out of your heart whatever he needs to and put in whatever he needs to and ask him to deliver you from any strongholds in your life. <clears throat> Number four, ask God to give you solutions to problems, divine creativity, encounters, or spiritual gifts while you sleep. Why? Because you have not if you ask not. So it never hurts to ask. All right, is there any burning questions before I finish up one more section? Small. Any? No burning questions. Okay. So I felt like um, as we close tonight, that the reason I talked about impartation at the beginning is because I felt like I'm supposed to impart and lay hands on those that want to have hands laid on them for impartation. I'm going to have my family come up as well, uh, those that are able to, uh, or, you know, my, and so Ariana, Karen, and um, myself, I mean, I don't think Christian wants to come up, and, and Omar wasn't aware either, so, <laughs> but we were the ones that received impartation, you know, uh, I mean, did she see stuff too, but uh, he's just a little more shy about that sort of thing, so with the three of us, there'll be enough power to punch uh, and uh, just to impart what we've received from Bob Jones and uh, others throughout the years. Um, you know, you're supposed to give away what you receive. So I want to talk briefly just about impartation. Second Timothy 1.6, Paul imparted a spiritual gift to Timothy, as you remember in that verse. Hebrews 6 tells us there's a doctrine of laying on hands, so it's a very common practice. Believers lay hands on the sick and they recover, so there's power and authority even in our hands. Uh, there could be transference or impartation. And the analogy that I want to use is, um, it's kind of hard to see, but um, you know, why, why do we do impartations in the first place? Why is it even important? So we all have the same Holy Spirit, so all of the gifts are residing within us, so to speak, in the sense of not apostle, prophet, evangelist kind of gifts, but gifts in the sense of tongues, interpretation of tongues, like you can operate in all that stuff because you have the Holy Spirit, right? You'll be stronger in other things based on your temperament and, and you know, we do the gift assessments and stuff like that and that's all good. But um, so to operate in healings, miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, you know, that's a Acts 2 kind of a thing for everybody, right? And we see Acts 2 people doing that, that they weren't apostles and they were doing it. So, um, in Acts 13, <clears throat> Paul and Silas had this call to go in the mission field. And as the apostles and teacher, or prophets and teachers were ministering, they said, separate into us, Barnab oh, I guess it was Barnabas and Saul, sorry, for the work that I've called them to. And then they laid hands on them, and it says, after they laid hands on them, they sent, away, sent them away, and it says, so they being sent by the Holy Spirit. So they weren't sent by the Holy Spirit until they received the laying on of hands. Something happened in the impartation. See, we need the body of Christ. We can't do this alone. We need one another. And God will not allow us to get everything we need in our prayer closet. We have to get it in the body. And that includes impartations. That's why we go places. That's why we have guest speakers and such that come and they lay hands and they impart. Uh, if we could just get it all by ourselves, we wouldn't need to do that. We wouldn't need the laying on of hands and so forth. So there are, so the, the analogy is there are some switches that I have turned on that you don't and vice versa. So tonight, the switches I have turned on, I'm hopefully, will, there will be, trans, you know, and, and was, it's going to be dreams and visions that we have turned on that you'll get. You'll suddenly, the Holy Spirit will flip that switch on. 
just by faith, right? That's, that's what we're doing it by. And because that's what the Lord says to do in, in, in the, the weirdness of that or whatever you want to call it, the foolishness of that, he uses the laying on of hands and it works. Um, some, uh, some, some things, uh, you, you say, well, I'm already dreaming. Well, sometimes you'll get a switch upgrade, like from 110 to 220, right? You'll have more power in your dreams or more power in your visions. Sometimes, uh, so, so in other words, you might start interpreting dreams more now, or you might start having visitation dreams now versus what you were dreaming one minute before you get hands laid on you tonight. Sometimes those things will lay dormant in you until the right season. David was anointed king, and then 13 years later, he got to walk in that anointing. He was still, but you see what I'm saying? It was there. He received it, but he sure didn't get to see the manifestation of it until the timing of the Lord was right. So don't be discouraged if you don't immediately dream tonight. I believe that you will and that, you, that things are going to skyrocket for many of you. But uh, just know that there is a process and uh, we're just receiving by faith impartation and believing that there's going to be some things the Lord flips on. And many times God has given greater anointing to the prayee than the prayer as experienced in their life. I can't control what's going to be given. I just know something of the Holy Spirit's going to be given. It's not my ability to control it. Right? Randy Clark, the first uh, one of the guys that he had on a prayer team, the first two people he prayed for as a paraplegic were healed. And Randy had never had anybody healed through his hands and praying for them as a paraplegic. So he said, Lord, that's too, it's not fair. You know, I gave him too much. Well, he didn't really, right? It's like the, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. So he's the one that gets to decide who gets what and how it manifests. And uh, Bill Johnson has asked, been asked many times for people, uh, give me a double portion of what you have. He said, well, if it was that easy, I would lay hands on myself. I can't control that. Only the Lord can control that. The point is, we don't, have over, we don't have control over that. Our job is to position ourselves and to expect by faith that we receive when hands are laid on. Uh, in fact, two weeks from now, Karen and I are going to, uh, it'll be our 29th anna wedding anniversary, and we're going to go to a James Maloney healing conference two and a half hours away from here. So heard some crazy things about him and his ministry, and he's one that we've never been in a meeting before. So we're going to do our utmost to get hands laid on us by him uh, in two weeks. So we do this all our, we've just been doing this ever since Lakeland. We just, we just know the importance of hands laid on. So 